0: Let's take God's word and turn, if you would, with me to the book of Acts in chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I, I trust as I've been praying, preaching, and teaching through the book of Acts. The goal, if you remember that, that was, uh, I started in the book of Acts, that was in the year 2020. It was quite a while back. And at first, when I began reading the book, and the reason why I want to preach through the book of Acts is because there is no other historical pattern that we have apart from the book of Acts. Now, many of the New Testament epistles furnish for us specific instruction, a specific doctrine that we hold to, but the book of Acts is the life of the first century church and churches and it's the only account that we have historically uh, here for us in God's Word. Now, before then, we have the life of Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But with regards to the first century church and churches, we find that record in the book of Acts. And so, what we want to do as I was going began through this book is I want us to be like the first century churches. Now, they were not perfect, but what we do learn is that they turned the world upside down. There was a moving of God, and God used the people to have an impact in that first century. And so, uh, my desire, and I hope that our desire would be that we would have that we would pattern ourselves after the first-century churches. Now, in Acts chapter sixteen, here, as I've mentioned throughout a number of times throughout our study of the book of Acts, is this record in Acts is not everything that we um, that, that happened in the first century. But it is everything that God wants us to know happened. And so when we look through the book of Acts, we're thinking to ourselves here, well, God has uh, given us this specific record because He wants us to learn from it that we might uh, do the same today in the first century. Now, whether it is a a positive example to follow or a negative example not to follow. Now, we we have some negative examples. Remember Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Don't do that in the church. Uh, We read at the end of chapter 15 there was a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas and how should we respond. Uh, And so here we have, I believe, uh, something else that we learn here now. Chapter 16 is the launch of the second missionary journey from the Apostle Paul. We know that Paul and Barnabas are going to split into two groups. Uh, Barnabas is going to take John Mark with him. Uh, Paul is going to take Silas with him, or Silvanus is his other name, referred to in 1 Thessalonians. And so from there, they're going to go into two different places. But here at the beginning of the chapter, we're going to read as Paul goes back through Derby, Lystra, and Iconium, which he had already been in the first missionary journey, he's going to pick up a young man by the name of Timothy or Timotheus. And so we learn some things in this passage. Now notice verse 1 of Acts chapter 16. Then came he, that's Paul, to Derby. And Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him. Because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number... What's the next word? Daily. Daily. Now, I think what gets my attention at this point is, wow, the churches there increased, uh, not only were established in the faith, but increased in number daily. Man, the work of God is going forward. Wonderful things are happening. But I want you to notice the connection of what happens here in the opening of chapter 16. Why do we have this record? Verse verse 1 through 5 is what We're going to be studying here this morning, but here in short summary, Paul is selecting Timothy to join him and his ministry. What's the ministry? The ministry is, uh, you could say evangelizing teaching, but if you want to summarize it, it's church planting, the establishing of churches in every city, and that was the goal. And so I want to ask those two questions here, because the result of that is that the churches were established, and their number increased daily. But before then, there's two questions I want to ask, and that is this. Who here is going to serve the Lord, and how is he going to serve the Lord? Now, immediately here, our attention is brought to Timothy. Who is Timothy, and how is Timothy going to serve the Lord? Those are two basic questions, but that's the questions I want us to answer. Now, Who is traveling here with Paul? Now, we know here the focus come on Timothy, but we don't forget, we must not forget, that leaving from Antioch is Paul brought on Silas or Silvanus with him. Remember, Silas came from the church of Jerusalem. He was sent up to the church of Antioch from Jerusalem to let them know that the men who had gone up to Antioch and taught the people in Antioch that they had to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses in order to be saved... He said those were not sent by the church of Jerusalem. So the believers in Jerusalem said, well, we're going to send Silas and Judas, and they're going to tell you and confirm you and exhort you. And so Silas has been there teaching. Judas went back down to Jerusalem. Silas has stayed there. And I think that God's um, uh, providence is involved because I think God uh, knew ahead of time that Barnabas and Paul would be uh, going, dividing themselves and so Silas is there, and so Paul says, Well, Silas is there, and so I'm going to take him with me. And so Paul and Silas are going uh, together to Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. And on this journey, they meet Timothy. And uh, Timothy, as we know, would be involved in the ministry. For example, Paul, when he wrote to the church at Corinth, he wrote the, uh, this in 2 Corinthians 1.19. He says this, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached unto you, by us, even by me, and Silvanus and Timotheus. So we know that as we read about the mysteries of Paul, we, 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 we say these are Paul's missionary journeys but there is other people preaching. And we know with regards to Paul's ministry, both Silas and Timothy also preached Jesus Christ and the gospel. And so they were involved as much as Paul was. So As we begin here to trace through those cities, here they've already been there. I I I would like for us to be refreshed by memory as to because when they pick up Timothy, think about what has already happened in those cities. He mentions here uh, Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. Now, if you remember, the order here is Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. Now, if I was to take a map, hopefully this will make sense. Over here, you have uh, Israel, Galilee, Antioch on the Mediterranean coast. They sailed to Cyprus, then they went up to Asia Minor, sailed to Asia Minor, and then they went to Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. This time on the second missionary journey, Paul is going to leave Antioch. He's not going to sail to Cyprus. Barnabas and John Mark are going to sail to Cyprus, but Paul is not going to sail. He's going to take a journey northward. And he's going to first go to Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. Now, remember, last time it was Iconium, Lystra, and Derby, but this time Derby comes first. If they come from the east working their way westward, Derby's first, Lystra, and then northwest is Iconium. And so they're going to take that order. Now, what has happened there? I would like to take the order and how it happened last time. You remember, they were first in Antioch, then they went to Iconium. Uh, We read of what happened in Iconium in Acts chapter 14, verse 1 through 7. Remember, after the preaching of Paul and Barnabas, the unbelieving Jews had stirred up the people against them in in Iconium. And then we, we read that the city was divided into two parts half of the city holding to Paul and Barnabas, the other half holding to the Jews. And the unbelieving part, they organized themselves and they conspired to stone Paul and Barnabas for preaching the gospel. And so when they heard of that conspiracy, they left from Iconium and they came down to Lystra. Now we read then of what happened. So if we think about Iconium, good reception or bad reception? Well, many believe, but... They were almost stoned there. Then they go to Lystra. Now we read in what happened in Lystra in Acts 14, verse 8 through 20. In Lystra, Paul and Barnabas encountered a pagan people. If you remember, uh, the people when Paul and Barnabas came because of the miracle, they worshipped Paul and Barnabas as uh, Mercurius and Jupiter. And so Paul tried to stop them when they were going to offer a sacrifice in honor of them. Uh, They tried to stop them. And then remember when the Jews in Iconium heard that they were preaching in Lystra the Jews from Iconium came down to Lystra they stirred up the people and remember that is where in Lystra Paul is going to be driven out of uh, stone, uh, driven out of the city and left for dead, dragged out of the city and left for dead. that's what happened in Lystra. Now Paul rose um, after being stone left for dead, went back into Lystra and the next day then he goes to Derby now when they went to Derby, uh, it's just really a, a short verse, uh, Acts 14, verse 20 and 21. They preached the gospel there. They taught those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And upon leaving Derby, then Paul and Barnabas, they go back home, but they go through all the cities they went through. So from Derby was the last city. They go back to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and then go down to the port city and then sail back to Antioch. So when we think about Derby, Lystra, and Iconium, we're thinking, hmm, difficult times. Because of the persecution. Paul has been left for dead. By the way, even after he was left for dead, he still goes back to the city. So this is what has happened. So we have to have some background and now think, well, here's the second missionary journey. And here we read in our text that the churches that had been established on the first journey uh, started now are established, strengthened in the faith, and they're increasing daily. Wow, that's wonderful. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would get to the place where God would bring an increase daily? That means the work of God was carried out daily. Right? Not just one day, but daily. Now, I want to focus on Timothy and think about the selection of Timothy because here God gives us this account. The Bible just said, hey, Paul went to Timothy. We know there's other people on the team, but God singles out Timothy here. I believe he's teaching us something. So let's first of all, as we focus on Timothy, I want to consider two things about Timothy. First of all, we're going to look and see that the reputation among the saints, his reputation among the saints in the churches. And then we're going to look at his readiness as a servant of Christ. Now notice first of all, his reputation among the saints of the churches. In Acts chapter 16 verse 1, they came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. Now, I want to ask the question that I asked earlier, who is going to serve God? Now here, obviously, Timothy is going to serve God. But if you notice, our text says that Timothy in verse 2 says, He was well reported of, the Bible says, verse 2, by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Now, we pause right here and say, okay, Lystra and Iconium. Iconium, the Jews wanted to stone Paul. In Lystra, they stoned him. That's where Timothy comes from. That's where he is. He is actively involved in two churches, Lystra and Iconium. I personally believe that his involvement is in a teaching and preaching capacity. Because his selection of him is for that purpose. And so he has a good report from the brethren here in both Lystra and Iconium. But I want to think about this idea of him being well reported of in the church. In other words, Timothy had a testimony. He had a record, a life record. If we would live during that time in Lystra or Iconium and participate in either one of those churches, we would all know Timothy. And if somebody would ask us and say, well, what do you think of Timothy? We would all have something positive, encouraging to say about Timothy. Now, if we live, we don't live during that time, we live during this time. But we have to ask ourselves this question, what is our testimony? And when people think of us, what do they think of? Uh, That's a sobering question to ask. Now, I I want us to see here that Timothy, because Paul invited him to go with him, he was a proved servant of God. A proved servant of God, a proven. He had a good record, a good testimony. Now, I want us to see that he was proved really in three ways. The first thing that we find here is, first of all, and by the way, I'll bring in Silas here, because Silas was also with Paul. And the things, it's interesting that the things that were true of Timothy are also true of Silas. And I really want to bring those things out here because we see a pattern here in the book of Acts. First of all, they were both proved, both uh, Timothy and Silas, they were both proved by their testimony. Now, when you read in verse uh, 2, the Bible says that Timothy was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Now, the the expression here, being well reported of, means that many in that day could bear witness or they could testify of Timothy's life. There's good report. The expression literally means to be a witness, to bear record, or to give testimony. Now, notice here, this is not Timothy giving his own testimony he was well reported of by the brethren. So it was not, if you would, Timothy tooting his own horn, right? Is that, that, that... Okay. It was other believers giving testimony, bearing record, and speaking about the life of Timothy. And there's a good pattern here for all of us that... Um, uh, my dad, I grew up, my dad said this a lot when you kind of boast in your skills and talked about how good you are and my dad would say, let another man praise thee. Timothy is not praising himself but everybody else is praising Timothy and uh, the work that God has done in the life of Timothy. And so here we see that, and by the way, Silas is the same. If you go back to chapter 15, you remember when the believers of Jerusalem were looking to send somebody up to Antioch? Notice what the Bible says in Acts 15 verse 22. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. Notice verse 25. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. So they were chosen, in other words, choice men. Men with good testimonies and good records. In other words, both uh, both Silas and Timothy were proved in their testimony. And so if somebody says, hey, so-and-so, what do you think? Good testimony. Honoring to the Lord. All of us, now here's the truth. All of us have a testimony. Now, you may not want a testimony, but you have a testimony. Now, sometimes you may think, well, I, I just... Uh, Uh, you know uh, what are people going to think about me let me just say this people are going to think about you and they are thinking about you but the important part is how are they thinking now I think uh, and I've said this before there's a difference between one's reputation and character sometimes you can have a good reputation but not good character right And sometimes you have good character, but a bad reputation. That can happen. Like Joseph in his example, right? He was accused of being immoral, and he was not. And so his reputation was attacked, but his character was intact. So I understand that. But as believers, we all have to understand that we have a testimony. And the truth is, we may not like that people think about us, but they do by virtue of our existence. And so then we have to think about how are we doing In that testimony. So both Silas and Timothy were proved in that testimony. Not only were they proved by their testimony, but they were also both proved by their adversity. Now, here in verse 2, the Bible says that Timothy was well reported by the brethren which were at Lystra and Iconium. And so immediately I'm thinking Lystra and Iconium, the Jews have not been receptive to the gospel preaching. And it is evident here that Timothy ha- has been involved in not just one church, but two churches at least. We know Iconium and Lystra, even possibly Derby. And so we see here that, that Timothy has probably seen some adversity. Now we know this to be true because later he's going to be, uh, uh, he's going to face persecution, as well as Paul and Silas, which lets us know that he has already seen that in his life. He has been proved by his adversity. Okay, Lystra was the place where Paul had been stoned and left for dead. So think about it. Just that alone, having known and seen that Paul was stoned and left for dead, would cause anyone to pause and to say, Am I going to declare uh, myself to be a follower of Jesus Christ publicly? Am I going to identify with Jesus Christ? But also it would mean that Uh, Here, he would not only identify with Jesus Christ publicly, but he would also serve the Lord passionately. We also remember that, that it was the Jews who were in Iconium who traveled down to Lystra to stir up the people against Paul. And so the Jews in Iconium had conspired against Paul to stone him. And by the way, it was true of Silas as well. So Timothy is in this whole environment... But Silas, it's interesting, if you go back to Acts 15, verse 26, notice what it said about Silas. Acts 15, 26. When speaking of Silas and Jude, it says, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Silas, has, he has been proved... Not only by a good testimony, but also by adversity and opposition. He has been been willing to hazard his life for for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word hazard is that he was willing to face suffering in his life for the cause of Christ. And what I'm saying here is that Stephen had been stoned to death. Silas had not, but Silas would be willing to be stoned for the name of Jesus Christ. Now sometimes we might think, well, Stephen is the better case because he died for the cause of Christ. I don't think there's any better. Because sometimes we think, well, people that are martyrs, they're really the top of the line. No, I think as long as there's a willingness for us to speak of the name of Jesus Christ and not to deny His name in the face of martyrdom, uh, then I don't think there's a case where, well, some people are just greater uh, than others. But Silas, he had hazarded. He was willing to die for the name of Christ. So both Timothy and Silas were proved by their testimony. They were both proved by their adversity. But also, thirdly, they were both proved by their efficacy. And what I mean by that is their usefulness for God. Now, it's clear here, as we read in Acts 16, verse 2, that Timothy was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. So, there is a testimony from within the church, and evidently, Timothy has been very helpful. In verse 3, him, would Paul have to go forth with him? Now, we, we may ask ourselves, for what use did Paul select Timothy? I think the answer is clear, because later, Timothy does some preaching. And Paul speaks to the church of Corinth, and says, look, uh, Timothy... And Salvanus and myself, we preach Jesus Christ to you. So I believe that specifically Timothy was selected by Paul to help him in the preaching. So Timothy would be involved. So that means that I believe that Paul no doubt had recognized that part of what the believers were saying is that he can teach and preach. Well, he's useful for me. And if you you better believe that if Paul selected Timothy, it's not only because of the testimony, because he heard it himself. He's useful for me. I'm going to use him uh, for uh, the Lord. And so him would Paul have uh, to go forth with him. And so understand here, that means that Timothy had been effective in the work of God. He was proved by his efficacy. Now, in verse 4, And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep, and were ordained of the apostles and elders uh, wish, uh, were at Jerusalem. And so there you go. So understand, Timothy was involved in the teaching and the preaching. Now, what about Silas? Because I've been comparing these two men. Go back to Acts um, 15. Notice verse 32. And Judas and Silas, being prophets among the, also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Okay. So Silas, sorry, it's getting warm here. Silas had been proved By his efficacy, because of his teaching, he had confirmed, exhorted the believers there in Antioch. And so he had proved himself uh, to be effective for the work of Christ. Okay, so both Timothy uh, Timothy and Silas, who are traveling with Paul, have both been proved by their testimony, by their adversity, and by their efficacy. And I want to ask ourselves that question. Are we proving ourselves in the church by our testimony, by when we face adversity, are we remaining faithful to God? The truth is, when people face adversity, often they, they, they quit on church. And I'm thinking, that's the most important time you need to be in church. Not when there is adversity, not when, uh, there is no, but when there is adversity especially. But sometimes, often people are not proved. When adversity comes, they fall off the scene. But also they were proved by their efficacy. And, I, and perhaps that, that's a question that we have to ask ourselves personally in the church is, am I being effective in my service for God? Am I making a difference? It was obvious that Silas and Timothy were already making a difference. And sometimes we may think, well, um, you know, I want to make a difference. And, and that's a good goal and desire. But how about we, we get involved to do something that we can in order to be effective for the work of God. So the reputation among the saints of the churches, I believe, is a very important thing. By the way, the result of that is what? The churches are going to be established and there's going to be added daily. Now, he says that right after, now, Timothy proved himself. You see, God's work God wants to advance his work, but God chooses to use people to advance his work. But there is also the kind of people he wants to use. And I'm not talking here about ability. That's none. As a matter of fact, I don't find one verse in the Bible that says, well, God only uses people that have abilities. Now, there are certain places a, a, a pastor needs to be apt to teach. So there are some elements that. God gives gifts and abilities for certain things. But God is not looking as much for ability as He is, availability. I will do anything for God. I'll serve God. And so we are proved by our testimony, our adversity, and our efficacy for the work of God. So that's the first question. Who is going to serve God? So that's the reputation among the saints of the churches. But then secondly, I want us to see here, and this is, I, I, I read it and I'm thinking, wait, we just went through the whole circumcision thing in chapter 15. What is this about? We, I want to see here the readiness of the servant of Christ. Notice verse 3. Him would Paul have go forth with him and Turkum circumcised him because the Jews were, uh, which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now, if you pause right here and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. They just had a debate in chapter 15. The people didn't need to be circumcised. Now, why would Paul, who was on the right side of the debate, want Timothy to be circumcised? The debate has been settled. He doesn't need to do that. Now, the question here, that's not about salvation. That's the important part here. This is not Paul saying, Timothy, you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. That's not what happens. Now, why, after the debate was settled in the church in chapter 15 people do not need to be circumcised. They do not need to observe the law of Moses in order to be saved because this is not about salvation. What is it about? Service. Now, he circumcises Timothy, but if you notice here, twice the background of Timothy is given to us. So this furnishes for us an understanding. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 16, the Bible says that there was a certain disciple named Timotheus. Notice, The son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. So here we have a marriage. Now, the Jews, typically, they married the Jews. So already here, this is a peculiar situation. This is not a common thing. The Greeks would marry the Greeks. The Jews would marry the Jews. That that was the common thing. Now, here, this is out of the ordinary. And this particular man, Timothy, his mother is a Jew and his father is a Greek. Now, the Bible says that because... To to give us this account, the background is necessary. Now, we go to verse 3, that Paul, he wanted Timothy to go with him, and he took and circumcised him. Notice here, here is the cause. Here is why we understand why Paul did what we did. Here is the word, because. We don't have to guess why Paul did this. The Bible tells us. Because of the Jews, which were in those quarters for they knew that his father was a Greek. Now remember, why does Paul want to bring along Timothy with him? To teach and preach. That's what Timothy's going to do. What has been the pattern thus far for Paul and Barnabas in the first missionary journey? Where would they always go first? The synagogues. Now in the synagogues, we don't do it this way, but they would do it this way then. If you were a Jew, now Paul had the background of being a Pharisee, and so he often did that. When he would travel, he would go to a synagogue, and often people would know that Paul was a Pharisee. would say, hey, do you have a word of exhortation for us? And so sometimes they would call on different elders or different people in the church to give a word of exhortation after the Bible reading. And so by pattern, as we saw in the first missionary journey, Paul went to the synagogues, and sometimes he was given the opportunity to give a word of exhortation. And so he did. Now what we learn is that here, uh, uh, Paul wants to circumcise Timothy. Now what is Timothy going to do? He's going to be teaching and preaching, but this is what we learn about the culture. First of all, what Jews are we speaking of in verse four in verse 3? That Paul took him to circumcise him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. What Jews? Not the believing Jews. The unbelieving Jews is what he's talking about the Jews that were in those quarters. Notice, the Bible has already talked about he has a good report among the brethren. Now, this would include, in those churches, both Jews and Gentiles, their brethren. But here, as he speaks of the Jews in those quarters, he's speaking of the unbelieving Jews. You see, the Jews who were yet in unbelief, so Paul knew that the unbelieving Jews would not have the unbelieving Jews in the synagogues They would not have permitted an uncircumcised person to speak in the synagogue. They just couldn't do it. Now, here's the thing. That's why the Bible says his mother was a Jewish, but his father was a Greek. Now, in that time, if you reverse the example, let's say the father was a Jew, the mother was a Greek. The father, who would be the head of the household, he would circumcise his son. But here, because the mother is a Jew, the father is a Greek, Timothy was not circumcised. Why? Because the father is the authority figure in the home. And so Timothy would not have been circumcised by virtue of of his father being a Greek. And so therefore, the Bible says, all the Jews knew that. They knew that his father was a Greek and his mother was a Jew, but they knew that he was not uh, circumcised. And so here is the, the key. Paul, he is bringing Timothy along for him to preach. And so he learns that his father's a Greek, so he thinks he's now circumcised. He's not allowed to preach in the synagogues. But I want him to preach in the synagogues. I believe God wants him to preach in the synagogues. So, Paul saw the gift of Timothy. Now, he would say that later I saw the gift that was in thee. And he discerned that the Lord could use Timothy to speak and to minister in the Jewish synagogues. So Timothy had to make a decision. Circumcision or no circumcision? Now, it's not about salvation. It's about service. And what I see here is a readiness in Timothy to serve Christ. Now, we ask ourselves here... Why did he need to do that? Well, let's put ourselves in in those days. Uh, The Jews uh, were very strict in observing uh, not only the law of Moses, but often many added traditions. And we know that Paul in his ministry, he often said that he often did certain things in order not to offend or even to do things in a way that would promote the ministry and not hinder the work of Christ. Now, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, because Paul expresses this sentiment to the believers at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, Paul, he was uh, criticized often by people who ascribe certain motives to him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul gives a defense of himself under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. But I want you to go down with me to verse 16. And notice here what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. He says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do the thing willingly, I have a reward. But if again my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And so you see here, Paul says, I have no requirement to anybody. But I will do certain things in my life for the sake of the gospel. So what is Paul saying here? God's work is more important than a certain way I do things. Now, uh, sorry, the turn back here. Uh, he is not talking here about changing doctrine. He is talking about something else. Notice he continues, um, verse nineteen: For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Notice verse twenty: And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. So here, Paul says, look, now he was a Jew, born a Jew. He was a Pharisee. But here he says, unto the Jews I became as a Jew. And so this illustrates the, 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 the truth here, that Paul had already said, well, people don't have to be circumcised in order to be saved. But, if we want to preach the gospel in the synagogue... Timothy, you need to be circumcised. Now, you don't have to do that. But if you want to preach the gospel, and I think God can use you to preach the gospel in the synagogue, then circumcision is required for you to participate because if you don't, they're not going to listen. You're not going to be permitted to speak in the synagogue. Now, he goes on to say, uh, notice um, verse 21, to them that are without the law, that's the Gentiles, As without the law, bring not without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. Verse 22. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I I am made all things to all men, that I might by some means save some. Notice verse 23, important verse. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you, so here is what we learn here. The reason why Paul uh, took Timothy and circumcised him, and by the way, let's not think here that Paul kind of said, well, you, you, I, you're, you're going to do this. This is not. This is, it's about service. It's about Paul saying, hey, we're going to preach. We're going to go back to those cities. Do you want to come along? Timothy said, yeah, I'll come along. And Paul says, well, I, I really think God could use you in the synagogue, but if your fathers are Greek and you've not been circumcised, you're not going to be allowed to preach in the synagogues. And so... I think you should be circumcised. And Timothy said, let's do it. And he did. And God used him. For the gospel's sake. For the gospel's sake. So in other words, Paul did not, he he was very careful when he dealt with the Jews and he knew the culture not to offend the Jews. When he was with the Gentiles, he was careful not to do anything that would offend the Gentiles. Why? For the work of Christ. Now, he, he, he writes to the church at Rome about the conflict between meats, eating meat or not to eat meat. And he tells them, well, there's nothing to be refused, but shouldn't you not eat the meat for the sake of the weak? Shouldn't you consider them? Shouldn't you be willing to deprive yourself for the sake that the work of God can go on and not be hindered? Well, yeah, the answer should be yes. Now, let me give you an example Turn with me to Acts chapter 23. Acts 23. Uh, Let's look at one example here. Acts 23 verse 1. Now Paul, he is standing before the Sanhedrin council. And I want you to notice here before uh, what goes on here in this conversation. Something interesting happens, but it kind of shows us what was Paul's effort with regards to the Jews. Acts 23 verse 1. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wide, uh, wall. For sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And so that's a pretty stern rebuke by the Apostle Paul. But notice verse 4. Often people like the verse 3. It's like, ah, look, get him, Paul, get him. No, verse 4, look. And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Why did you do that, Paul? Notice verse 5. Then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. And so here is, Paul basically says, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was the high priest. If I knew it was the high priest, I would not have spoken because I know what the law says. you see that? So Paul was concerned not to do something that would offend the Jews and cause it to be a stumbling block for the sake of the gospel. So, Paul, wanting to circumcise Timothy and Timothy being willing to to be circumcised, it shows a readiness for service. I'll serve God. Even if sometimes it means to do something that I don't necessarily like or enjoy doing or things that are not beneficial to me personally. Now this, we know, would cause Timothy to be uncomfortable, cause pain. But Timothy is willing to serve Christ because he deems the work of God More important than his present comfort There's going to be a moment of Uncomfort and pain Timothy I'll take that moment of, uncomf- uh, of Being uncomfortable and of pain So that I can have a lifetime of serving God Which one's more important? So I, I believe that's all that's happening here in Acts Acts God gives us this account. Why? To show us how dedicated His servants are in the book of Acts. That's what they were willing to do to serve God. It's not compromising in doctrine, not living a sinful life. You know, I I know what people say, you know, well, you know, I've got to do things, be like the world to win the world. No, no, that's not what He's doing. He is being. He is not giving the unbelievers an occasion to be offended whereby they will not be able to minister to them. So, the result, if we go back to Acts chapter 16, now look, this is, you mean to tell me that just because Timothy was circumcised, this is what happens? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. That's what the Bible says. Notice verse, verse 4. And as they went through the cities, what cities? Derby, Lystra, and Iconium, Jews and all of those cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem, and so were all the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. And so what I'm saying to us is here, God gives us this record. He says, look, God wants to move forward He wants His work to go on He wants to establish churches He wants to strengthen churches He wants to add to the church But He uses people His people to do that But His people have to have. There's two things in their lives That need to be evident The reputation That is developed in the churches And a readiness to be a servant of God That means I will be uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. Well, here we are in America. And I know that we all go through difficulties at some point or another, but we are comfortable. Would we agree as Americans generally speaking? We are comfortable. And we have to be careful that we don't act or in our lives say, well, man, going to church, that makes me uncomfortable. Well, serving God, that makes me a little uncomfortable. Is that the level level of uncomfort that we face today? Could I say that that's pretty pathetic compared to New Testament Christianity? The gospel that has the power to change the lives of the lost Isn't that so much more important than often our comforts, often temporary comforts, and often we may in our lives forsake a lifetime of serving God because we just want moments of comforts where we make a decision in a moment, but yet it affects a lifetime of service for God. So two questions for us. Are we hindering the work of God? That's a question we have to ask from this past. Are we hindering the work of God, or are we advancing the work of God? Now often, if we're advancing the work of God, it means there's going to be some uncomfortable things we, we do sometimes for the Lord. So may the Lord help us to be first century church.